And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Until Saturday, Sunday Sound Off Edition, my favorite episode of the week, because we don't only get to hear me blab and blab and blab. Uh, we also get to hear from people who are smarter than me, their voices, their thoughts, their opinions, um, their viewpoints, all very exciting stuff. I'm Ari Wasserman, joined as always on Sunday uh, by David Ubbin. How are you doing today, Dave? I'm doing good, Ari. Um, I'm, I've got some, I got a little bit of sleep. Uh, okay. and watch the NFL, talk to some people today. So some interesting content coming on The Athletic later this week. Do you know how my night ended last night after we went live? I'm scared to ask. <laughs> I hammered Washington minus 115 and then fell asleep and didn't watch the end of it. Like if, if, <laughs> if they would have lost, I wouldn't have known. I was uh, wondering why I wasn't getting any texts from you. I stayed up no, and watched I, it against my better asleep. judgment. I saw the pick six. And I was like, all right, pay, pay the kid. And I fell asleep. And then I woke up this morning on my back with, uh, you know, in the same position that I was in when I fell asleep. I was very tired. And we were joined by my best friend of the entire world uh, from <laughs> Stars Matter, Grace Rayner. How are you doing tonight, Grace? Thanks I'm for- good, Ari. My best friend, too, obviously. Thanks for making time for us on uh, the Sunday evening. Um, this is going to be fun. I, I am looking forward to hearing what people said this week because i thought it was a revelatory day in college football mm-hmm. i thought we got some much needed context uh in the sec i thought we got much needed context obviously in the big 10 we have a cheating scandal and we have a person on the show who takes raw meat home as leftovers from restaurants raw can we get, can we get it listen so grace had not listened to the show she is unsullied by the discussion from last night grace let me lay this out for you okay my wife's birthday this weekend friday we went to the melting pot she ordered some filet mignon i had a couple pieces of duck left over and we didn't get to it and we'd rather not be sick leaving and we saw the chocolate course to go so we got it you got dessert to go you got dessert to go to no we just ate the regular you can't take that to go obviously oh i'm sorry so they they take raw meat home okay so (laughs) so they boxed they boxed up the uncooked meat I took it home, threw it in a skillet for like dinner last night because game days, if I'm at home on Saturday, it gets a little complicated. Ari is acting like this is the most insane thing in the history of the world. Listen, we paid for the meat. We haven't cooked the meat. I don't understand why it's such a big deal to take it home. It's crazy. What was the waiter's reaction when you asked? They were like, are you sure? Because they had some temperature fears. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's weird. It's bizarre. That is and, unhinged. Yeah, and, and you know what? how it's weird? <laughs> oh, my god! Because gosh. the waiter who works at the place that serves you the raw meat was taken back by it. Like, this isn't a regular request. It's like, oh, do you want your uncooked duck to go? Like, what are you doing? I don't understand the decision to to not take the dessert to go, but to take the raw meat to go. Let me well, ask you this, that's, Grace. I think like this is crazy. a melted chocolate. You can't really do that. 
How many restaurants, if you had to estimate, do you think you've eaten at Gray's in your entire life? <laughs> Just guess. Oh, I don't know. Uh, Throw a number out there. I don't know. A thousand? Hundreds? I don't know. A, th- a thousand restaurants? Okay, well, probably it's probably more than that, but... <laughs> Um, and of all the, let's just say 1,000 to keep it a round number, of the 1,000 restaurants you've eaten at in your entire life, how many times was there raw meat uh, in your to-go? Literally box? zero. Okay, that's it. Thank you. Unless we're going sushi, it's a zero. The entire experience of the melting pot. Oh, this is a let me I just put it this way. I truly can't believe people take. I didn't go into the show last night wanting to have a food discussion. I stumbled upon this one, and the restaurants you go to, I just think are just generally bizarre in general. Like I know people like the melting pot. What is it like it's, a fun? It's, thing my, wife, they, it's like, one of my the... wife's favorite restaurants. She goes there for yeah. special occasions all the time. She really. I do like it. the melting pot. Know. I'm I'm fully support you on that. That's a good choice by. It'd be funny. I'm, like, if I'm you, more like, of a Brazilian a... steakhouse Korean barbecue person. If I'm gonna have like a. Do you ever take uh, the raw bowl at the Korean barbecue place home? Now that's actually it? not allowed, Ari, because <laughs> I would eat more than one serving. So that's actually illegal. <laughs> that's actually illegal. Yeah. What if you when you go to Korean barbecue? We've all had Korean barbecue together. Have yes. you done that? Been like, can no, I just because take you can't do that. Because it's all right. you can eat, so they don't let you. Take oh, it. the problem isn't that you didn't want to do it; it's that you're not allowed to. It's, <laughs> uh, okay, Dave. Uh, I used to be the freak of the show. You are the freak of the show, and it feels good for that. To be the case. I still yeah. can't believe this. You know what the I problem? To dinner with you now. The reality of being crazy is that you don't know you're crazy. That's. I mean, you're not supposed to. You, of course, you are. Uh, it makes it, sense in my mind. I'm just saying, if I'm that, paying for three to four ounces of filet mignon. Why would I not take it home? That restaurant must have stout general liability insurance policy because the exposure um, to raw meat and the temperature situation is pretty scary. Um, this food discussion makes us stand out from other football podcasts. I hope so. Some people hate it. Um, and I'm not, I don't think this is a food discussion. I think this is, this is a mental wellness check. Like, I don't, maybe I, I don't maybe she's just used to being around me too much because we've been married for like 10 years. But my wife did not have any issues with, with this decision. She, <laughs> This is maybe that's part of maybe it's a confirmation bias. Maybe it's why I find it. The so, waiter thought it was weird. The fact right? that you were no, yeah. she just she made she didn't think it was that weird. She was just like, "Are you she sure?" She definitely told all of her coworkers as soon as y'all left. This is the problem with society. It's not me. I'm just saying this is ingenuity. I, I, I truly I can't. So people just leave. Four ounces of filet mignon just sitting on a plate. Four ounces isn't really that much. Like you're making <laughs> I know, but it's still a decent steak. amount. Like the less the ounceage, the more embarrassing it is. Like what was that? Three little pieces? Like was that like no, three pieces? Like, it was like eight pieces, and then there was two more of the little duck. Like, if I had you just, didn't throw away five raw two... steaks into the trash, it was like four ounces of meat. Did you consider cooking them real fast on your pot and then putting them in your box? Well, the problem is that yeah. steak, is, steak is hard to reheat, so I thought it'd be better, more more high quality <laughs> on the stove in my house. Okay, we, we got to get to college football, guys. This is like, like, oh my gosh. The funniest thing about it, too, is like, Oven's entire food world is like the path, <laughs> the path to hell is paved with good intentions. Like, everything that he does is like done with like good, oh, smart gosh. analysis. Like, yeah, you're right. Meat can't eat up, but it's like, it's a, it's a picture me without <laughs> you're standing in your kitchen without a shirt on, just cooking this sad four ounces of leftover melting pot. I did wear and a shirt, first it. of all. If you're going to yeah, cook with yeah. oil, you can't be having uh, your yeah. chest burned if the oil pops. So. We need Ari's Mount Rushmore of David's psychotic tendencies and David's Mount Rushmore of Ari's lunatic behaviors we'll, we'll, we'll get on that but first grace oh i'm crying you, were you at the clemson game yesterday 
No, I was not. Uh, Manny was. I was not. Oh, you're lucky. I was just wondering what you thought of the college football day, and I always ask our guests on Sundays what their biggest takeaway or the coolest thing they thought of or whatever, the one thing they think of when they think of the Saturday that we just had in college football. Uh, Well, Clemson was fresh on the mind just because I covered them for a while and we saw them collapse at the end. But uh, I think James Franklin was the the biggest on my mind this weekend. Just, um, just, do you see my tear? I'm crying from the building pot still. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Just, uh, just the total inability to get over the hump. And we talked about this on stars matter. I think two out of the, or three out of the four of us picked Ohio state just because we felt like we couldn't trust James Franklin in these scenarios and then here we are again. So that was my biggest takeaway. Yeah, I'm going to write a column tonight about Penn State that will surely get people to just say how much they love my work. Um, I don't know how I'm going to write it, but I'm still trying to figure out, like, how bad or how hard do you come down on James Franklin? Like, are we treating him like a person that has a $100 million, almost $100 million guaranteed, who is in, like, year 8, 9, or 10, into his tenure, who has this abysmal record, or – do we cut them some slack because being able to beat Ohio state on the road isn't what's supposed to happen. Like I'm trying to like work through my emotions of this because James Franklin, by, by all accounts has done a very good job of building Penn state into the second or third tier big 10 program. And considering where he picked up from, I think that he's done a pretty good job of that. That said, do Penn state fans um, require, you know, we always talk about my Ohio state brain, right, Dave? Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm always thinking like, well, if you don't win the national championship or make the playoff that your season's a failure. And last year, there were a lot of Penn State fans who took exception to that notion and thought that last year's Rose Bowl victory um, and the season that they had, even though they lost to both Ohio State and Michigan, was a successful season. So is it still possible for for Penn State to lose both of these games to Ohio State and Michigan this year and have another successful season? Like, what are rational thoughts for Penn State? I held them to the Ohio State standard, but maybe this program just shouldn't be held to that standard. And I need to know that before I write. I think the issue is that you have a game between two top 10 teams and I don't care where you play the game. You looked the part of a top 10 team in Penn state and it felt like they had no chance to win that game after about a quarter and a half. It's like, they're not going to be able to move the ball. They're going to need like a singular miracle to get on the scoreboard. They almost got one with the sack fumble that got overturned uh, with the defensive hold, which was the right call by the way. Um, and that's a bad place to be. Obviously, I'm not a Penn State fan, but if you're a Penn State fan and you're watching that game, it's insane to enter in a game between two top 10 teams and a rival where it's going to define your season and you feel like you got no shot to win. More than losing, more than the final score, all of those things, they just did not have the weapons. And then, you know, you have Drew Aller. <clears throat> he didn't play very well, missed a lot of throws, all that stuff, but the weapons weren't helping. I mean, Kyle McCord, if you switch the quarterbacks in those games, I don't think the result is that much different because Kyle McCord had a receiver getting wide open half the time and Drew Aller did not. And that's on the head coach's um, uh, shoulders because you're hiring the offensive coordinator. You're putting the personnel, you're the, the closer in recruiting. And they're at a place right now where they're playing games against top 10 teams as a top 10 team where it feels like you can't win. And that, I think, is what, what made that loss feel especially bad even though it wasn't particularly lopsided or, um, you know, embarrassing. It's just they had no hope. Grace, how bad should I come down on James Franklin when I write after this? Like, where are you at in terms of, like, the heat monitor? Are you just like, well, you know, he's done a good job. You can't 
you know, throw too much fire at the guy because he lost Ohio State? Or are you at, like, this is unacceptable? Like, where, where are you at? Somewhere in the middle, I assume? I'm, I'm closer to this is unacceptable. I mean, like, the law, the law of averages is not. Fucking great. Is that like, <laughs> right? What do they say? Like, eventually you always return to the mean. Like, he, this dude is one and nine against Ohio State and three and 16 against top AP top 10 teams. Like, at, at, at some point, that's just who you are. And then I'm reading um, our colleague Audrey Snyder's column, which was very good from the game mm-hmm. yesterday. And I see where James Franklin says, I'm not, he just basically doesn't answer any big picture questions and says, I'm going to talk about this game today. And I think if you're a Penn State fan, that has to be so incredibly frustrating where this man who cannot get you over the hump is also unwilling to explain to you and tell you why he can't do it. And then as Audrey pointed out, like 364 days of the year, he talks about I need this, 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 and this, and I yell resources, blah, blah, blah. And then on day 365, it's the same result. So it was I don't very know. biblical that 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 writing. I thought it was good. <laughs> I did too. I like, heard Colin was really good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I'm, gonna have to, I'm gonna have to read it again before I write, but I think I'm going to lead with the notion that I think what you saw out there today is two of the top ten teams in America. No, I think we saw one of the top ten teams in America and one team that can't get over the hump of being that. And it was very apparent in that game. And I think that's the, that's the problem. And it's like, if Penn state was ever going to do it, I felt like this is the year to do it too. Cause Ohio state, man, I keep saying Ohio state is down and like they're undefeated. They beat two top 10 teams already, you know, the week that they played them this year, we'll see what Notre Dame and Penn state turn out to be. And I don't see a juggernaut out there that can't, maybe they're not, a, maybe they're not down. I don't know. They're not, uh, it's cause they're not dominant. Ari. That's the issue. They're not dominant. Um, they don't have a dominant quarterback, which I think is a is a really hard thing to overlook when, you know, whenever we used to analyze Ohio State in the past, it used to just be no matter who they play, even when they played Trevor Lawrence, they had Justin Fields. Like they always had an ace in the hole when it came to the quarterback position. And I'm not saying McCord can't be that one day. I know there's a lot of people who compare him to CJ Stroud and the slow start that he had. But we're, we're going into week nine now, and it's just like he's not going to win the Heisman this year. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how it, how it plans out. Maybe Ohio State will win a national championship, and they're just going to play back all the clips of me saying this is the worst Ohio State team since 2016. Um, and maybe both of true. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Ohio State doesn't deserve to be told that they're down this week. That said, I still think that you could still say if Penn State was going to get it done – they would have gotten it done this week and, you know, their opportunity to do it was now. So, mm-hmm. you know, that that's the toughest part. Okay. Let's get into the best part of the show. Uh, but first, can I properly introduce the show? This is like my new thing now. So get into the show, uh, chastise Dave for some insane food thing. It's a normal talk, food thing. Talk about the normal big thing with thing. a new guest and then, and then intro and Grace, tell me how you think I do. Okay. Okay. You're doing great. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Until Saturday, Week 8 Sunday Sound Off Edition. Please like, comment, and subscribe on the YouTube channel if you are here watching it live. We, we certainly appreciate your presence. Um, if you are listening to this on Monday morning on the podcast feed, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel where you can catch us live uh, in video, in person, our beautiful faces uh, three times a week. Thursday for the pick show, Saturday for the reaction, and then Sunday uh, for the Sound Off show. Um, if you want to be a part of the Sunday Sound Off show, uh, you can call the Until Saturday tip line, hotline, whatever you want to call it, 316-462-9852. Again, that is 316-462-9852. You can text that number as well. We will certainly lean towards more voicemails because we love hearing your voices. Your voices give me strength. They make me feel like Barbara Streisand. I want to sing from the top of the mountain. I love your voices. Also, too, more shade. I want to hear more shade. If I'm making you upset, I know a lot of people get angry. A lot of people say some really terrible things to me, both in the comments on my stories and on Twitter. Keep that energy in the voicemail line. would love to hear from you. <laughs> it fuels Ari, trust me. I, I, I would love to it. hear. I would love to hear it. Yeah. Um, sign up for Until Saturday's newsletter, which is also called Until Saturday. Uh, we'll get where you'll get the uh, daily fill of college football uh, right to your inbox from our extensive coverage at The Athletic. You do not need to be subscribed to The Athletic in order to receive this newsletter. If you're not subscribed to The Athletic, do you even like college football? All the links to everything I just said are in the show's description. Um, we've got a, a deep team, a lot of stuff, columns, news, features, polls, whatever you like, whatever you're into. We got it. And then if you don't like college football, then you can just read NHL coverage or something. I don't know why you would do that. You've got the best college football coverage. Okay. How was that? Was that smooth? That was That's good, Ari. I feel like uh, I can't speak for both of you guys, but I have been friends with people who read the athletics. So that's that's that cool. really, really, that crazy. really bothered me. And I almost tweeted it. I, I didn't want to mess with it, but it was very funny. <laughs> I just didn't want to have I was having a nice little Sunday. I was at a little jungle gym with my daughter going down slides and stuff. <laughs> but when he tweeted that, it's like, can you just take some... Pat McAfee? We did a poll. I don't know. Was it thirty nine percent of people that voted in this poll said they don't like him? On what was it? Yeah. And you're gonna attack the you're gonna attack the publication because you don't like what it said. Without it wasn't like, even an it attack. As... It was just like a. I mean, it just is like he the act he was we, taking yeah. a shit on the athletic. Eh, he was he was he was uh, making a taking a shot that's just like not accurate. That's like saying. You know, the idea that we don't have readership don't is like, like people are, who it's like arguing who, like, oh, well, Ohio State, you know, lost to Penn State. It's like it doesn't even yeah. really register because it's like, no, they no, they didn't. Like, yeah, nobody like, reads yeah, it. Do, nobody so, reads like, it. Nobody reads it. Yeah. Except like half the guesses you have from a report work for us. <laughs> also, it doesn't yeah, make any sense. We've yeah. written about him multiple times. I would think he's a lot. Right. <laughs> yeah, so, a lot. Yeah. You know, it is what it is. I. I I would just thought it was weird. And I think it, it says more about him than it does about the athletic. But. It is what it is. Like, I don't really care all that much. So, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I just, like, don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm confrontational. 
and I will get into a fight with somebody, as you've seen in my comments, uh, when I probably shouldn't. <laughs> I just don't like when people just take shots at. It's like, what do we do? You know, like, leave me alone. I don't. I'm talking about you and your tank top. Don't talk about you know where I work. I'm very proud of where we work, and me too. You know, it's you know he's got a great show. People love him. I'm happy to see him doing well. All yeah. the th- all good things to him, but it's just like. He does more good than bad on game day. The Washington State stuff is the only thing that really rose me the wrong way. If you don't like his energy, that's fine. Like, he's entertaining. The Washington State stuff was just, like, mean. It crossed a really weird boundary. Uh, I can't remember who wrote this, uh, so apologies. I, I think it was Stephen Godfrey in the Washington Post. He said, like, you work for an organization that essentially, like, made Oregon State and Washington State into orphans, and then you made fun of them for being an orphan. It's not great. It's not great. So... Yeah, and here too, it's like I, you know, Andrew Cooper here says, I would think it's two different fan bases for McAfee and the Athletic. I don't know. There's a lot of crossover. There's, there's a lot of crossover. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot there's of people. There's room for everybody in the space. There are literal like millions of people who read the Athletic. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to put them in. Or we're not boomers. We're not kids. There are millions of people who read the publication. They're also going to watch the Pat McAfee show. And guess what? Everybody used to like or still does yeah. like college game day. It's a part of the routine. I'm sure there are people. My dad watches game day. And what I love athletic. game day. I like Pat on game day, except when he's being mean to smaller schools. Ari, I love, yeah, you, you okay. have a little bit of that energy in you. So let's let's get that out of here. <laughs> I don't have that energy in me. I enjoy when smaller schools do well. I think that do everybody you? should earn what they get. And I don't understand why that's a problem for you. Uh, I really will never you don't understand it. You don't respect the little guys, Ari. Good. Well, you know what? Your actions, your daughter, your actions speak so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. If your daughter <laughs> is in a music class or a choir, and she's the ninth best singer in the class, and she gets a ninth place ribbon, you better frame that shit and put it up in your house. Okay? Okay, first voicemail. Let's go. This is Scott from Dallas, Texas. Love the show. Love the power hour. Just listened a little late to the... Um, Sunday sound off here Monday afternoon. So, a couple of things. Ari, I think if you got a tattoo in bacon letters that said no regerts, but it was quality, I think we can kind of kill like two or three birds with one stone. Right. But the legit question really is, who's better? A one-loss Huskies or Ducks? Or a one-loss Georgia Oklahoma, right? Because if we're going with strength of schedule, right? If we're going with what have you done, who have you beaten, Georgia, Oklahoma have the easiest pathways, right? Oklahoma has the win against Texas, great, but if they have a loss against Texas, they have a loss against somebody that they shouldn't, but they end up beating Texas in the in the Big 12 championship, Georgia, same thing, let's say they win the SEC championship, but they've got a loss to someone else along the way that they shouldn't. Who's better? A one-loss Huskies, a one-loss Oregon, or a one-loss Georgia, and a one-loss Oklahoma? I love the sound of that man's voice. It was very soothing. <laughs> also, I'm not sure my, uh, my mother would love bacon lettering tattooed on my body. It's a few uh, no-nos in, in the in the Wasserman household there. <laughs> you do the math on that one, everyone. Uh, if you, uh, you know what I'm talking about here. I think it's a very, very... Um, difficult question because i think that on the surface you would think pac-12 because there's more ranked teams along the way mm-hmm. but the the question here and i guess I'll, I'll kick it to you dave and then grace can disagree with you because what you're going to say is going to be wrong 
<laughs> it's it's going to be perception versus reality, I think, a little bit when it comes to what's stronger. Is making it through the SEC as a one-loss champion stronger than making it through the Pac-12 um, or the Big 12? Definitely the Big 12, but the Pac-12 as a one-loss champion. Like, what, what do you think about that? Well, provided that the teams that we're picking through have – the championship that they're hoisting he was his his scenario is a little bit convoluted so i believe that all those were champions but if there's not if you look in the cfp requirements if you're not a conference champion to be granted entrance to the playoff it has to be very clear that you deserve entrance uh that was the case for ohio state last year but it's been hard uh i don't have the numbers in front of me but very very few have made the playoff that have not won the championship now it gets a little convoluted because Ari, I think the committee does a good job. We've, we've touched on the committee. I think they take the resumes as is, but there is an element of eye test here. So I think the PAC 12 champion would have an edge because all the metrics are going to point to them, especially the SEC being as down as it is and as, and performing as poorly in the non-conference as the SEC did. But if it comes down to Georgia, even though they've had so many warts, They've looked dominant at times, and they have looked 20% of the time this season like a team that cannot be beaten. And they have looked very mortal like 60% of the time, and they've looked like a possible national championship contender probably the rest of it. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of moving parts in all of this, but if there's one team that will get the benefit of the doubt, it's not going to be Oklahoma. It's not going to be a Pac-12 champion. It will be Georgia. Well, so, let me just simplify the question because, like they said, like here, Andrew Cooper said, there's too many variables. Mm-hmm. The question, I guess, and I'll ask it to you, Grace. I want to know what you think. If the last spot – I don't even know if it would be the last spot because a one-loss SEC champion, in my conventional thinking, is always like the one seed. But if it comes down to one spot for an SEC one-loss champ or a Pac-12 one-loss champ, who do you think would actually get in this year? Who do I think will get in? Like what? The like SEC, the, the but who do I think scenario, should get yeah. in the Pac-12? Yeah. Like I have been more impressed with the Pac-12. You have to think if Oregon is making a case to get in, their one loss is against a very elite Washington team, regardless, maybe not what we saw last night. But um, if it comes down to – like I'm with Ubbin. Like I don't see a scenario in which – the committee denies Georgia, but I, I don't know that I would necessarily agree with that thinking. Well, mm-hmm. the thing that I think is interesting here is I think the country is on board with the Pac-12 was good this year. Right? Yeah. USC stinks, but I think like, yes, you know, coming into the year, there was some skepticism of, ah, well, the Pac-12 always stinks, they'll stink again. I think that everybody who's watching football and engaged in the sport this year is on board with the notion that Utah's good and Oregon is good and Washington well, maybe is not good. Utah, but Oregon State. Yes. Well, I mean, I don't know. Utah looked pretty good on, t- on national television last night. So, I mean, I don't know. I thought they looked good. Um, they're just the they're way, playing with so many this. injuries. We were dangerously close last night to the scenario that almost assuredly would have kept the Pac-12 out completely, in my opinion. That would, if, if Arizona State would have beaten Washington, and, I, and we have to talk about this for a minute because we didn't finish it on the show. Yeah. If Arizona State, because they got dangerously close to beating Washington, and if they would have beaten Washington, that would have been a one loss for Washington. Oregon would have had one loss. USC has losses and Utah has losses. And then we haven't even played the back half of the schedule yet. Like, I think that, like, though, you want to talk about the cannibalization of, of the Pac-12, it happens when teams that we think can or will make the playoff 
start losing to freaking ASU. Like that, mm-hmm. like, so like the Pac 12 took a huge step forward in the preservation of its CFP life last night without losing to Arizona State and at two. It, in it the helps to play that game at two in the morning, quite frankly. Yeah. Because no one watched it, but it was like, like I watched Washington it. looked like they forgot how to play football, right? I, it was very weird. Uh, Arizona State offers some unique challenges in some ways, but Arizona State. One of those. Uh, just, you know, they can do. Kenny Dillingham can scheme up some ball plays. They use Scatabo yeah. in some interesting ways. Um, you know, Brian Ward does some interesting things defensively. I didn't mean to put you but on the spot, but ASU. No, but ultimately they just yeah. – they're – like Washington basically uh, not scoring. They, they got a field goal in the first half. It was very weird. Michael Penix looked like he just was making uh, bad decisions. He got in a little bit of a rhythm in the fourth quarter. They did enough. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're down to like their eighth quarterback. <laughs> Heck, poor Trent Borgay. That was a rough pick six. The one place you can't throw it, the one thing you can't do, uh, that was tough. But, yeah, it was – that was – just win because Washington doesn't have to worry about anything else. That's that's the luxury of winning a game like Oregon is style points are irrelevant. Just keep winning, keep winning, and you better win that rematch uh, because if you don't, you're going to need some help to get in the playoff no matter what you do the rest of the time. But you're going to have a bunch of quality wins by the end of the season. Uh, just so you know, ASU's quarterback is one of my good buddies from high school's nephew, Trent Borgay. Or yeah, we yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. He was like their fourth guy, behind like Pine, Rashada. Uh, yeah, I'm getting somebody else. Yeah, and I thought he was his brother. Either transferred to a Mac school, or I don't know. I, I need to keep up with him. But Ira, <laughs> we were cool. His name's Ira, and I'm Ari. So I was like. <laughs> Uh, he played. Listen, besides the the backbreaking throw, he did a nice job of doing what he needed to do. To get yeah, it. and there were some drops there in the late in the fourth quarter. Where it was just like you know, I thought it wasn't a hundred percent certain when the odds dropped down to minus one fifteen, for instance, and <laughs> and I hopped in. I didn't feel great about it, and then when the pick six happened, I just like did that like Denzel Washington like. Uh, and then i fell asleep but um they could have lost and i wouldn't have seen it but yeah the pac-12 i think has earned public respect and i think by and large that also means they will have earned the committee's respect that said i don't think that there's anything that can be done to poke holes in the notion that a one loss sec champion is an automatic bid yeah. So, you know, I think, and, and you know what? 99.9% of the time means that both of these teams are going to get in. Like, I don't think that it's going to be one or the other. I think the real debate is going to happen if there's a one-loss ACC champ and a one-loss Big 12 champ who are coming down to the final spot because uh, yeah. the Big 10 and the SEC and the Pac-12 have spoken for the last or the first three. But as we saw last year, we couldn't even figure out who the four should be. So teams like Ohio State and TCU still got in when they didn't deserve to because everybody stunk. And I think we could get to a place this year where everybody stinks. Yeah. And people, before we move on to the next question, let's just remind everybody how the committee views this because fans freak out when a team loses to a bad team. Ohio State set the president precedent when they lost to 6-6 six and six, uh, Virginia Tech. Was it the first year of the playoff, I believe? I think it was. The committee does not care that much about who you lose to. You are better off losing to a 1-11 team and beating all of the ranked teams. They don't care about quality losses. You need quality wins. Losses to bad teams. You would much rather lose to a one-win team than to a 10-win team. 
because you need wins in the top 10, the top 20. So just remember that, folks, It is kind of funny. People because freak out. People freak out about it. You would think you'd rather lose to a 10-win team. That's but why the fans freak out. team you need. <laughs> yeah, that's how the committee operates. But if you lose to a one league team, it means your booty cheeks. So I don't know what yeah. you want to do. I don't People know. can get mad about it, but like literally <laughs> there's only 13 opinions in the whole country that actually matter, and they sit in a room, and they care about what you look like at your best. They don't care about what it you look It is funny like that in the first rendition of the college football playoff, the eventual national championship lost to a team that blitzed like eight of the 11 players on their team. And like Ohio state could just like not figure out how to throw a ball downfield and complete a pass. (laughs) And then they won the national championship that year. So it is interesting. Quarterback. Shout out to quarterback. Um, Also, before we go to the next question, grace, what the hell happened last night with your squad? Jeez, I know when you were saying you want to lose to a one to a one win team, I'm like, well, <laughs> North Carolina has call done up, that. Call <laughs> up UNC. <laughs> what a meltdown! Oh my gosh! Was, I don't know what. How does that? I don't even know how that happens. Did that you see Mac Brown's quote sad. about a what he said? They ate the poison cheese or the cheese poison? Did you see rat this quote? Poison? Oh. He's it, it was like a play on rat poison, but it was yeah, it was cheese, which sounds a little bit more enjoyable. But yeah. It's a, uh, that's what I sometimes say uh, to my wife, uh, like on Sunday morning when I had a very rough day uh, with the NFL. She came into the living room and I had my hands in my head. I try to hide the anguish from her, but sometimes I'll just be like this. And then she'll just walk into the room and I won't see her. And I'll just be like sitting there and she'll go, <laughs> rough morning. And I just look up to her and go, babe, sometimes you're the bug and sometimes you're the windshield. Yeah. You know where you can't eat the cheese? Melting pot. Yeah. <laughs> Next question for the lecture. I can't. Please. I can't. Please. This is Jacob from Provo, Utah. Just got back from the UIU Texas Tech game. Um, saw my Cougs win a game. But my question, or I guess my story is I was at the game sitting next to this girl who I've been talking to recently. And during the game, just started nerding out about different college football things, about like how this was a pretty good pretty big recruiting weekend for BYU, had a bunch of our, like, top targets and whatnot and just, like, what they rated on 24-7. And then, like, she just looked at me and just, like, who are you? And I was just, like, so hurt by that. And I'm just – and she later told me that the only reason why she goes to the games is, like, for the social aspect. And I was I was kind of hurt because, you know, like, college football is the greatest thing in the world. And what – should I do in the situation with this girl? Should I move on and try to find someone who actually values college football for the beauty it is or why not? It's a beautiful voicemail. These, Jacob, are, these are our people, Ari. These Jacob, that's people. you. Jacob, that's you. <laughs> you know, I gotta yes, say my voicemail made it LOL. Love I gotta it. say, buddy, you were talking to her. Isn't that a social part of the game? Couldn't she have she been? What, you, take to what it, did though. she say? Like, who are you? Mostly, like in a in a in a pejorative way, not in a genuinely inquisitive way. Oh, okay. See, that's gonna... a, okay. That part, I'm like, no one wants to be made she... fun of or feel small for the things. Is she they being love, mean? Right? Like that one, that kind of hurts. But she's at the game, and college football is awesome, and everyone gets something different out of it. Jacob, so. just in the chat here, let me know: was she being mean to you? <laughs> I think she was. Thing. I think if she was why, being yeah, mean, yeah. if she's being mean to you, then absolutely 
absolutely just kick her to the curb. Let me tell you something. I'm, while we're waiting for Jacob to respond, if you put my wife down into a chair and told her that her life depended on naming three players in college football this year, or she would be no longer um, able to walk the earth, she would no longer be on earth. Like I am married to a woman who understands the lifestyle. She understands the game. She understands gambling. No interest whatsoever in sports. <laughs> yeah. So you can I have don't... a very, very loving and fulfilling and deep relationship with another individual if they don't like the thing that you like. Um, that said, it's my profession, and I also like doing other things outside of sports, um, like watching The Bachelor and you know doing all girly things, too. I've got a very, very good feminine, feminine side. Um, and I like to be in touch with like, you know, other things. I like shopping and all sorts of things. <laughs> what was your last pedicure, Ari? I get pedicures. I get massages. I go to the Asian foot rub place across the street. Like I am in my bag of feminine side things. So <laughs> that said, what I would not tolerate, Jacob, is um, somebody who A, doesn't appreciate who you are and the things that make you passionate and excited about, but also would belittle you or be uh, mean about the game. So when you say should you find another girl? I mean, it doesn't sound like you have one girl to begin with. Uh, she doesn't like you. Uh, no, no, I'm just saying like, it's like, out here. <laughs> what? But if she's being no, mean please. to you, no, no, if she's being mean to you, then you be indifferent, 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 indifferent. Now, Oklahoma fans didn't understand what I was saying, but the best way to get back at somebody's being mean I to you agree is with being that. indifferent. Like, but I would say if you're going to not be with her, don't be with her because she's being mean, not because she might not like college football. No, no, Jacob, I didn't mean to flame him. Was that mean? <laughs> no, I thought it was okay. I thought it was okay. I think ultimately the most unattractive thing that happened here is somebody aggressively yucking another person's yum. That's not great. Uh, but in general, like Ari, I am also married to somebody who – you. so when I covered Tennessee, mind you, we live here. Wednesday-ish, sometimes it would come up, and she would ask, did Tennessee win last week? Uh, it just doesn't really come up. So, like <laughs> – it just we do other things she doesn't have a lot of interest in college football and it's not that big of a deal personally uh, i love so. this man <laughs> i know we, i want him to like come on and hang out with us ask him what he thinks about the melting pot and if we're gonna, gonna have his girl jacob there. jacob 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 i think we're gonna have you on next week i gotta talk to our producer he's getting back from his wedding but we're gonna get you on because we got to hear the, the second part of the story like do you hit her up again do you, you slide into the dms um do you still give her another chance i just don't know if I would, I've never gone out with somebody who was mean to me mm -hmm. again. Like if, if somebody was mean to me one time, that was it for me. Cause I think mean is like a very unattractive trait that probably continues on into other aspects of your life. Cause why would you be mean to somebody you don't know? Why would you be mean to somebody that is trying to get to know you or be nice to you? Like you might not be interested, but being mean, I think is weird. So um, I don't know how invested you are. I don't know how many times you've tried to to get at the girl, but um, you're a handsome young man who I bet has a lot of things going for him. And just just keep keep firing. There's a lot of fish in the sea, and yeah. um, you know if you're young, I mean, just keep firing. I I, I fired at everybody back then. <laughs> Grace, what is your significant other's relationship to college football? Oh, Hunt. Um, Hunt is like a big Clemson fan, so. 
Comments are on her stories before they met. Come on, tell the truth. Oh, he's my friend. No, he's my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. oh I thought I he commented that. on your stories, but not knowing you yet. No, 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 no. He commented when we oh. no. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, no, we met like a long time ago, but yeah, he's a, I will say he's a lurker on the message boards, which is my kind of, if you're going to do it, be a lurker, not a yeah, writer. That's yeah. the way to do it. Yeah. That's the way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he's a Clemson guy. So he's going through it right now. Yeah. Well, tough scene. I'm rooting Jacob. for Jacob though. Jacob. Also, you, Ari, you said if you're young, like what if he, even if he's old. Well, he sounds like he's young. Yeah, it sounds he's like a he's game, a college like student, a student. At BYU, yeah. I believe. So. I, I took it as him being a college student, but if you're 61 years old, then maybe keep trying because it's not going to get better for you. College uh, football, but I, college football <laughs> is not a social event once you leave college. It's a whole other thing. So yeah, um, he's 23. Yeah, dude. Oh, there you go. You don't have I'm to meet your wife. I didn't meet my wife till I was 30. So you, you got you got a lot of firing to do, and a senior at BYU. And I just yeah. like don't understand why he why anybody would be mean to somebody as wonderful as you, Jacob. I love Let's you, buddy. Let's have him on. He's We're going gonna to have you somebody, on eventually. I want to be your best find friend. somebody to share a cougar tail with. Very and yes, I did compare I like your you. love life to my Lincoln Riley article. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Next voicemail. Hey, guys. Casey calling from Texas. I was just curious to hear your thoughts on some of the fourth and short situations we saw today. I mean, the biggest thing we hear all week after an NFL Sunday is, oh, the tush push. We have to ban it. It's, it's a problem. But yet, coaches, for whatever reason, refuse to do it in college. I mean, Tennessee, Houston, Clemson, we had fourth and inches, fourth and one, fourth and two, and they're in the shotgun, not succeeding. Like, I know coaches are proud and whatnot. Is it just they're that uncomfortable with their quarterbacks under center, or what is going on? Well, I can I can start here. I think this is two things. One, I think people underrate that Jalen Hurts was maybe the strongest person on Oklahoma's team, like when they went to the playoff. Uh, and also like probably one of the strongest people on Alabama's team. He benches like, I mean, he squats like 800 pounds. Like there's not a lot of quarterbacks who can do that. So like that, the Eagles situation is sort of secondary to your question. Taking a snap is, is very, like, if you play in some of these spread offenses, it is a acquired skill. And to do that, quickly and get your legs churning is not easy they don't rep it a ton you don't get nearly as many reps taking snaps in a lot of these shotgun not shotgun only but like tennessee is a good example um you know the whole baylor offense that entire thing you don't take hardly any snaps under center so well you know what they could do dave they could practice it i mean yeah you could but they don't i i agree with you i would it seems to be a pretty infallible play. But the, the problem is that you can get guys hurt that way. There's no there's not a lot of great ways to rip a quarterback sneak. If you just want 22 of your guys just ramming into each other in practice, that's tough to rip. I'm saying take the rep of the snap. Well, sure. Just, just take a bunch of reps of that's the snap. Practice, that's practice time. So The center and the quarterback can't go into a dorm room after the practice is over and learn how to – do the ball snap exchange? They can't. I don't know. Like, I'm just explaining why it doesn't happen. I hate it when they go fourth and one and go in the shotgun too. It doesn't make any sense. But I also um, kind of hate sneaking the entire, is an art. I wish that the, the the play was against the rules because it seems unfair when teams line up for it. It's like if you get fourth and inches and you do the tush push play, you're going to get the first down. It's really no, really hard to st- people. No, people have tried it in college and in pros and they've failed. 
The Eagles are good seen, at it. It's like a new trend right now. All these teams are doing it, and I don't really remember even seeing one team's fail at it. Well, they so changed far. the rule where pushing is legal like a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, they should stop so it from being legal. I'm okay with that. I don't I don't want to ban the explicit tush-push play I, if you want to ban the push element, but it's rarely the push like that the Eagles are getting. In college, it's a lot more frequent. But some, I've seen it fail – Maybe more often than I've seen it succeed in college this year. Teams are bad at it. Well, didn't um, Kalen Kaler had those numbers, and the Eagles were converting it like 93% of the time, and the rest of the mm-hmm. NFL was like 77. Mm-hmm. So I think the Eagles set an unrealistic precedent as just how like elite they have made it. With that being said, though, I'm with you, Ari. Like just practice. Yeah, I just don't. I also don't like watching it because it's like. Uh. It's not the know. play; it's the execution. That's ultimately because we've looked around in college and people suck at it. So, uh, according before we get to the next voicemail, guys, according to Anwar Richardson, who uh, covers uh, Texas for Orange Bloods, uh, Texas quarterback Quinn Ewer sustained an AC joint sprain in his throwing shoulder against Houston. Told you, called it. The last injury night. occurred on a sack. There is optimism that he will play again this season. As of Sunday night, there was no timetable for his return. Should learn more about it this week, but it doesn't sound like a season-ending. Um, issue. So, yeah. you know, we're gonna get some Malik Murphy. We're gonna get some more wins. When you were gonna come back to save the day, I'm the orthopedic surgeon, Ari. So, yeah, I mean, you you should continue to yeah. diagnose people's ailments through a television screen. Okay, uh, next voicemail. Just wondering what you guys' thoughts are, uh, considering the Ohio State defense is getting a lot of accolades for improving this year. But a large part of their improvement this year is due to the fact that they don't give up the big play because, in large part, they keep their safeties deep. The problem is I don't think they can afford to do that against Michigan, and part of the reason why they gave up the big plays against Michigan last year was because they had to commit so much to the run. Do you see them winning a game against Michigan, playing a defense with safeties back, and basically just giving up the run to Michigan and trying to prevent touchdowns? I think a lot of the reason why Michigan broke off big plays last year is because the secondary was put in con- uh, compromising one-on-one situations mm-hmm. where um, one missed tackle turned into an 80-yard touchdown. Uh, and I think that happened in the second quarter when Ohio State seemed to be running away with the game. There was like an eight-yard out and a safety missed a tackle, and then it was an 80-yard touchdown. Um, so I do understand the notion of, of playing safeties back. Um, I think Ohio State's defense has very much improved. The thing that I'm a little bit concerned about when they start playing really good teams um, not that Penn State isn't one, but they didn't have a lot of weapons offensively to, to make them pay, yeah. is that their their uh, pass rush doesn't get home. Um, and I would expect when you have guys like JTT and uh, Jack Sawyer that they would be, you know, the teams that I cover had the Bosa brothers on it and Chase Young. So, like, I'm used to a, a defensive end that can just wreck an entire game by themselves. Um but hopefully Jim Knowles at least learned from some of the schematic breakdowns that they had last year to not put um, Ohio State secondary into a compromising position against teams that have really good skill position players, like ones that are hard to tackle and are very fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it's – I think he he sort of laid it out. I mean, it, it, Ari, the, the Ohio State fans got mad that we spent a lot of discussion about that game yesterday because Michigan is such a huge storyline in this season and how they loom in the Big Ten and they obviously have a backloaded schedule – but he laid out a lot of the reason why when I looked at those two teams and I look at Michigan, they're going, I mean, the, Michigan's offensive line is their best weapon. 
I mean, they were they returned pretty much just about everybody from the best offensive line in the country last year, and they're just significantly better. I it's 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 it. I don't know that bleak is the right word, but I don't know how you can leave that game as an Ohio State fan and feel good about the end of the year. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Trip Tepper here just said that the look the look ahead uh, line was minus five one fifteen, um, and it moved to plus six and a half for the end of the year. I'd take a touchdown right now, but I'm just a biased I'm just a biased Buckeye homer, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, talent advantage, much improved defense, best player in college football, and seven points is a hell of a package for me. I don't know about you. Receivers don't decide games. They don't. No, Did you watch they the game don't. yesterday. That's not. Here's the thing. It literally Ari, just happened yesterday. Ari, they own, that decided it because Penn State didn't have a functional receiver. Marvin Harrison was fantastic, but that's more about Penn State than Ohio State. I'm just saying. They have Marvin Harrison Jr., a very very good defensive line, a stark talent advantage on paper, and are playing pretty well football, and they're getting a touchdown. I think it's. A good, I, I don't know. I lost. Michigan, Ari, have you watched Michigan? Yeah, I watch them a, every week. That is a murder ball of football. Like that, they are unbelievable right now. It's good that they're playing Penn State first. I think it will be interesting if Michigan played Ohio State, and um, Ohio State is the first good team they've played all year. I think that that will make for a unique challenge too, for a team that that can punch you in the mouth as hard as you're punching other teams in the mouth every now and then. Um, you know, listen, I, I'm not trying to play devil's advocate here. I'm sure Michigan's going to win. But like you, you talk about it like it's a looming loss for Ohio State. Like there's no way Ohio State can win. And maybe Not that Michigan... there's no way, but I, it's it smells like another butt kicking. It does. It yeah. sure does. Well, that, take your seven touchdown. points. Ari. Have at it. <laughs> well, we'll do a you bet might, here. You might guess. Be my uh, guess. If Ohio State doesn't lose by more than a touchdown, then you have to go to a restaurant and order a hamburger and eat it all, and then just go home. <laughs> <laughs> That's not my style. Just do a normal food, and then if I do, then I'll just go like fry an egg on a rock in the Las Vegas desert and eat it. And then, yeah. Um. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a fifteen hundred dollar first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Next question, guys. Well, this is fun. This is fun. Hey, this is Nick from Atlanta. Obviously a Bulldogs alumni and fan, period. But my question revolves around Texas A&M. And for what, to me, appears to be a logical reasoning that they will ever be good. Everyone talks about A&M not being good. But look back. They have never been relevant or good. So why now are we always saying that Jimbo Fisher isn't doing a good enough job? He's like every other coach A&M has ever had. I'm just curious as to why, for some reason, they elevate A&M to essentially like a sleeping Alabama program. Thanks, Ari. You're doing a great job. Uh, Two things that I want to take exception to on that. They are relevant. We talk about them all the time, and people mm-hmm. hate them. I think they're a very relevant program. The fact that they've never been good is interesting, but the reason why we elevate them to that same status of sleeping giant is because the players on their team are very good. The recruiting classes are very good. They are situated and built very similarly to the teams that win a ton. So to me, I don't think that a and I think A&M would be a very attractive job for anybody who is an up-and-coming coach or somebody who is looking for a job. Now, Dave... Grace, you might disagree with me here, but it seems to me that if there's something dysfunctional about the current staff that's in place with Jimbo Fisher, or if he's lost his fastball, or you just don't trust him to do it anymore, that if you go hire the right coach, proven or unproven, that can really hit that cocktail the right way with the staff and how to kind of get through to the players that are on this team, that it could be a year two national championship winning situation like we've seen so many times in the past. I know. Yeah. No, here's the thing. I talk about the pillars of college football, right? Most important, you got to have access to talent. You got to have money. Facilities is sort of changed into more NIL money. Uh, You got to have money in a lot of ways. But I think NIL is probably more important than facilities. When you couldn't have money, you had to sort of have the facilities. You need competent coaching. You need support. And you need administrative um, alignment. Yes. Your president, your AD... Your coach have got to be all on the same page. We've seen this go sideways in a number of different places. You got to have all these things. AM has had most or all of those things for most of the last decade. And now you're seeing the talent with Jimbo and to some degree, someone shoot up and the results have not followed. And it's hard to believe. Now, if you want to tell me that Jimbo is on the back nine of his career, we're never going to see peak Jimbo at Florida State. Okay, I'll, I'll listen to that. But there's still only a handful of guys that have a national championship ring that they can take on a recruiting trip, and he's one of those guys. And obviously that combined with the NIL has helped them. So I think the A&M fascination and why they're one of the great mysteries in college football is because they have all of the elements that you need to be great, and they're still churning out eight and four and mixing in some five and sevens that are truly um, – You know, the year, the year they won the national championship – 1936? No, no, at Florida State. Sorry. Oh, I was very confused. I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah, before the Civil War. Uh, um, No, 
that Florida State team was stacked. Okay, and I know we had Crab Legs Winston on that team, but there well, were he was a not lot Crab of... Legs Winston when they won. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he he became Crab Legs Winston the next year. The, the Nightmare Fourteen <laughs> season that they. By the got way, if I lived years. in Tallahassee and I won a Heisman or whatever and a national title, I would walk out of Publix with Crab Legs too. Well, I, feel like I that think was... the story was that he thought he had a hookup, and the hookup was not on. Was not they didn't have administrative alignment from the. Crab leg guy to the manager that like you know something was a. Uh, I would have done good. the same thing. I would have always thought that I was good because I when. <laughs> but when you yeah. look at the ACC that year, it wasn't like playing in the in the SEC. Now, that's true. They were more stacked in the favor, like they had more of a talent advantage in the ACC that year than they ever would, even with the stacked recruiting classes they've had in the SEC. So it's just harder to win big in the SEC if you're not Alabama or Georgia or LSU because mm-hmm. even when you have those players, it's just hard to go undefeated. It's hard to to, to lose two times. Yeah, It's just a but hard thing to do. The micro thing that we didn't hit on that I think is also key is you need to have a game changer at quarterback. And the best quarterback Jimbo's had is Kellen Mond, who is currently on a practice squad. Like since Jameis, the Jimbo quarterback – Situation has not been good. It has not been good. Bagari's face. I'm like, what are you reading? I was reading your face. I didn't know if you had anything else to oh, say. No, I mean, I just think, well, when you recruit like they did in 2022, which the greatest class in the history of college football, correct? How mm-hmm. many five? How many top 50 guys are they? 10 top 50 kids? They had 18 lost, like, top 100 players. Yeah, yeah, okay. They signed 18 top 100 players. I think I counted earlier today 10 top 50. Um, Banana land. Cra- just absolutely crazy, yeah. So it's that's what I think is so fascinating about Jimbo and A&M is like the guy who, and I, I was talking to Sam Khan about this earlier, our tech expert, the guy who brings in the goods is also the one ruining, <laughs> ruining them. And it's like such a bizarre juxtaposition. Um but that's why they're relevant and why we're going to talk about them in that way, because they're doing one of the most important things you have to do in college football at an elite level being recruiting. Mm-hmm. And then they're also mucking everything up once they get these kids. I don't know. I think they're fascinating. Well, if there's one thing that you can learn or that not you can learn that, that you probably learned from listening to me is I don't believe in the place is cursed stuff. I don't believe in, um, you know, they've sucked before, so they'll always suck, or there's something in the water down there, or you know, Texas AM can never be good because they haven't been good since 1963. Well, a lot of that stuff is explained though, Ari. I think people that don't people just like don't pay attention, but like you know, people ask the same question about Tennessee for a long time, and their administrative alignment was a total disaster, and they had all this turnover, and like I think every recruiting class had like at least two or three coaches for a good while. And that was the big part of it is the turnover. So like, I, I get what you're saying that like, Oh, you know, but like these so-called curses are, are usually pretty explained, but I don't know A&M's what's, what's a and M's. That's the one that is sort of the most confusing because there isn't really one. I don't think that there's a curse situation. I think they had a talent deficit for a long time. Um, they were competing in deep waters with Texas and Oklahoma uh, in the Big 12. Weren't recruiting like this. Didn't have great coaching um, for a long time, um, and just haven't been able to get over the top. And you know, it's it's been interesting to see them as the recruiting has shot up, but they haven't haven't responded with wins on the field. Yeah, 
I, I think that all it takes is to hire the right coach. And when you have all those nice, uh, nice players in the uh, locker room, you have a pretty good chance of doing something. That's what the $75 so, million dollars was for. And they couldn't get there. That's what the money is for. Okay. Next question. <laughs> hey guys, this is Ben from Atlanta. Ari, for the past, I don't know, 24 months, you've been preaching that if you have a five-star quarterback, you would be willing to sacrifice a season to start that quarterback as a true freshman. Didn't we see the exact scenario yesterday in the Penn State game where they should have started Drew Aller last year, sacrificed, I don't know, maybe a win and go 10-3 and three as opposed to 11-2 and two, so you have a quarterback who could handle the pressure situation of being in Ohio State? Thanks. Are these questions planted to fire me up? Like who who's doing this? I didn't. I I gotta be honest. I didn't read the questions before we got here, and I was like, oh god, not this one. I I mean, I agree with you on this, Ari. I I the 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 question is the downside. I mean, I guess you say you sacrifice the upside, which I'm not even sure is true. That you wouldn't have had the upside. The question if, has if been you went ahead with him. Would you have sacrificed your Rose Bowl win from last year? to make Drew Aller 10% better in that game yesterday. No, I think you got to get a weapon in the portal. The question, the premise is if you start Drew Aller for an entire season, that when he comes into this game, he's more apt to compete at a high level because he's played an entire year. Now that might result in more losses last year, but it makes him a better, more refined weapon in the Ohio State game that they could have, should have, not should have, could have, and were expected to potentially win. Now, but if he's buy- 65% better in that game, they still lose it, Ari. They didn't lose because of Drew so Allen. They lost because if that's weapon. what you think, then I guess there's your answer. But my, my question is for Penn State fans, and I think you'll get 50-50 reaction to this, is how do you view last year? Do you view last year as a resounding success and a season that you'll cherish forever, despite the fact that you lost to Ohio State and Michigan? Or do you view last year as a stepping stone to this year, which was supposed to be a team that accomplished more than losing to Ohio State Michigan, potentially winning the Big Ten and making the playoff? If you think last year was some sort of season that you have to hang up commemoratively on your wall and look at and go, oh, my God, we beat Utah in the Rose Bowl, then you and I have a fundamentally – different viewpoint of what the expectations should be for Penn State. You are more of a, I don't want to expect too much. I like the baseline success season from 1976, like it's brand new still. And if you agree with me, you want excellence. You want to be great. You want to win. You want to beat Ohio State, Michigan along the way. So last year, as a person from the outside looking in, I don't look at Penn State season as something that should be savored and celebrated. I look at it as a pretty solid season where they lost to the only two good teams they played. So that said, if I, you don't view last season as a resounding success or you don't view last season as a season to be cherished forever, then making Drew Aller 10% better for this game, if that's the percentages that you want to do it to, even if you don't think it would have made a difference in the game, would still be the, the juice would be worth the squeeze because winning this game would, is what it's all about, not beating Utah. Like that—that's just my thought process. Now, it's a fair. Well, I think so. I think if he would have played last year, that they would have won. I, I don't. I don't. I think that he needed some help, right, Grace? Yeah, I don't think it would have mattered. I, I don't know. Maybe I might be cooking James Franklin too hard, but I think this is a James Franklin and not a Drew Aller problem. Like, yeah, I just don't think that. Like, I—I'm with your line of thinking. Like, get your guy experience. Just 
especially as you're trying to take the next step. Because you don't, don't lose anything by trying. Right. That's the thing. Yeah, Unless, I'm with and, that, but I don't think it would have made a difference yesterday. Yeah, and if it didn't, then I was wrong, you know. But imagine if they would have gotten a guy out of the portal to play receiver. That's and what Aller was 10 or 15% better yeah, than they won the game. The forget what happened last year because that was a joke. Like if you're a Penn State fan, like you're like, I don't yeah. care about that. I, I want the big I want the big stuff. Yeah. I Where's my make... Gasicki? Where's my Jahan Dotson? They don't have that guy. And that's why they lost. Yeah. And the, the the most frustrating thing, and I don't even know if I should mention this in the story or not, but Ohio State's top two receivers um in the game, because the Mecca Buka was out, were from Pennsylvania. And one was Julian Fleming. He didn't. He hasn't had a huge Ohio State career so far, but he's made some plays. Yeah. Wore an Ohio against the world T-shirt to an Ohio State game where they were hosting Penn State while committed. Like when you talk about me being critical of your favorite team's recruiting results, you think I'm too harsh. The standard is too high. How many top end recruiting battles was Penn State away from beating Ohio State this year? How many big hits in the one five star receiver, one one extra defensive end? I don't know. Like you need an offensive line, offensive lineman. You need offensive lineman. You need Nolan Rucci over in Wisconsin. I mean, then they're all in Pennsylvania. Like that's the thing. It's like I'm not saying to go back and look through each individual recruitment and like get mad all over again that they didn't get them. But Ohio State was missing three critical players in the game. And if they would have had two or three extra players on their team that were really good, if they had one Jahan Dotson, one KJ Hamler, maybe they win. One well, Martin I, Harrison. I might say, I don't know that I'd say probably, but you'd feel like you had a fighting chance. It didn't feel like they had a fighting chance yesterday. No shot to win. So, yeah. you know, the premise I think is a funny thing to go back because me and Ralph Russo yelled at each other for an hour about that that topic. <laughs> I think I was more <laughs> rational about it today. That said, if I'm a Penn State fan, yeah, I wanted this year more than I want last year. I will say the chat is bringing yeah. up Dante Cephas, who, yes, was accomplished. Okay, I'm not sure what's been going on with his health or his lack of production, but that's an evaluation issue. It doesn't matter if you go get a receiver and he's not productive. Like, it's a results business. I get you got that guy, but, like, there's been plenty of transfer receivers this year who have been productive. That Could you imagine if Keon Coleman was on Penn State? Yeah, like legitimately. That's a good. That's a really good example. He's changed Florida State. So he's changed, that's, yeah, that's why he changes the gravity of the entire offense because it was pretty much just Florida Johnny State Wilson might win Travis the national championship because he's yes. on their team. Like yes, you know, you think about the eighty-five scholarships and all the fives, and that's why the good teams always win. Mm-hmm. That's why recruiting matters. That's literally the entire premise of Stars Matter. If you sign fifteen five stars and only four hit. And the other team has zero five stars. You have four more five stars, and in games that are relatively evenly close, or evenly, who makes the plays to win? The five star guy named Marvin Harrison who couldn't be covered. Sometimes it's the difference between one or two players. And if you are in my comments every day, hitting me with the "How could a team with no stars win a game?" Please understand. Please understand the concept, because it's like insane to me that you don't. Next question, please. <laughs> hey, this is Kyle from Buchanan, West Virginia. At least I'm able to enjoy this Tudor's Biscuit this morning after the Mountaineers lost the homecoming game to Oklahoma State. At this point, as a buddy of mine put it, 
Neil Brown does everything right except win. Is it time for me to just start accepting that it's time for Rich Rodriguez to come back to Morgantown? Help me out, guys. First of all, have you guys had a Tudor's Biscuit before? Yes, I feel delicious. Like you have? Yeah, all right, when think? did you go to West Virginia? Buddy, I lived in Ohio. I mean, I was like oh, right yeah. next to it. I, I used to drive okay. down. By the way, <laughs> before there were casinos in Ohio, they were in West Virginia, and I used to go there all the time. Great, Wheeling, West Virginia. <laughs> no, I didn't know what this was. Yeah, it's a it's Tudor's Biscuit World. It's delicious. The second best culinary thing to come out of West Virginia, next to the pepperoni roll. There, so. It's a really, really good biscuit place that has all sorts of biscuit sandwiches that you can get. Yeah. And they're fresh-made biscuits. It's very cheap. It's very fast, and it's very good. Yeah. And honestly speaking, probably the most important and significant delicacy out of that state in, in all, in total. Pepperoni rolls, Ari. We've been uh, down pepper- No, no, no. That's a Pennsylvania thing, I thought. No, that's a West Virginia thing. It's a no, coal miner's a- lunch. It's specifically for coal miners, which is West Virginia leans into that. I suppose there are some in Pennsylvania. You would know more than I would, but coal mining is like the heart of West Virginia. I did go to Rand, West Virginia once to like see the 7-Eleven that Randy uh, Moss used to hang out in front of. <laughs> that Places sounds like a recruitnik tri- move there. <laughs> I always, I'm the type of person that like watches documentaries and then like gets a kick out of going to the place that it happened. Like if I'm in the area, I'm not going to like psycho drive to Rand, but I was coming back from somewhere and I was like, oh, Rand is 20 minutes from here. I'm going to go check it out. So I did because I watched the documentary, but pepperoni rolls, I guess are a West Virginia thing. I always got them in Pennsylvania and they're delicious, but uh, Tudor's biscuits, uh, slappy, slap, slap, slap. Okay. Yeah. Rich, Rich Wad. Rich Rod is a kind of a fighting concept because Jacksonville State's no, low-key killing it's not. it. Listen, I, he's done well at, at, at Jacksonville I, I Listen, I think Rick Rod would, would fully admit that he probably should not have gone to Michigan. It might have cost him a national championship. It certainly caused his career to go sideways in a bunch of different ways. Uh, I don't think that this would work for a number of reasons. Uh, I don't Why? think he should do it. Well, I think you have some questions about uh, – I think you have some questions about the way things ended at Arizona. Google it if you don't know. And yeah. secondly, West Virginia's plot in the world has changed. When they went to the Big 12, they couldn't go beat up on Syracuse every week. And, like, they were the kings of the Big East. They won 10 games, like, 100 million times in a row. Like, that's a real thing. And when they moved to the Big 12, their plot changed. The world has changed since Rich Rod was at West Virginia. And the reality is, if he goes back there, they're going to expect the same thing. Why aren't we in a New Year's Six Bowl? When are we going to get to the playoff? All these things. Plus, that, his offense was frankly, revolutionary at the time, yes, and it's not anymore. That has changed yeah. now. And so it's not even about getting too old or not being able to do the things that you wanted to do. Things have changed. The world has changed. And, you know, props to him for doing what they've done at Jacksonville State. I don't know. Neil Brown not working at West Virginia has been uh, perplexing to me because he's right. He's done pretty much everything you need to do except win, which is kind of a big deal. But the thing about West Virginia is it just like doesn't fit anywhere. There are no players in the state. It doesn't belong geographically in its own conference. And it's just like kind of in no man's land. There's no city in the state. I, I feel like it's a very hard place to recruit in general. It is. I don't know. Uh, you got you got a feast on 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 Pennsylvania mostly. Um, they've recruited some in Florida a bunch. Yeah, There's Neil Brown's down in Florida. I think CJ. Yeah, I think some of that was some of that was just the Big East connections a little bit. Um, but they're not in the Big East anymore, and they lost some of that recruiting. And they haven't really had. I thought 
when they joined the Big 12 and Mizzou left, I thought West Virginia could be the new Mizzou. And all the teams, all the players that Texas and Oklahoma and Texas A&M think they're too good for, instead of going to Mizzou, who's now in the SEC, go to West Virginia and come back and play Texas. That has not really happened at all. They had Dana Holgerson um, when that first happened. Didn't really work out at all. They have not had a lot of inroads in the state of Texas. It's confusing, but listen, I, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news for West Virginia, but I think they're in the same chair that Nebraska is in, that Arkansas is in. A lot of these schools that as the realignment has moved, your best years are behind you, and there is not a clear road to getting back to the times. And I don't care about the little guy. Conference champion. They weren't little guys, though. Arkansas won national championships. They've, they've, they've been in huge games. My like, definition so of Nebraska. little guy are – are players who don't or programs that have no shot of making the playoff right now. It's not little guys well, just that, on power, uh, but ma- but, uh, power but or group of five. There's a lot of little guys the, in the P5. The ground shifts underneath you before you know it has, and a lot of times. And I think. But you're sitting here on a podcast and telling West Virginia fans that their best days are behind them, and then you give me shit for not caring about the bottom half of the sport. And it's like, hey, buddy. Because like, the idea here? that West Virginia can build a program that routinely wins conference championships and ten, wins 10 games, that is in this world, that's not going to happen. They're, they are not in a place where they can do that. That doesn't mean they're not a proud program. People shouldn't care. But you have to readjust your expectations. You moved up in the world. That's like expecting James Madison. They've won national championships uh, you know, at the FCS level. They moved up. Well, you're not going to be viewed in the same way. Like you've changed where you're at. That's fine. You're just going to have to get adjusted to a new reality. That seems fair to me. Grace, where do you stand on this? I think it's a hard place. I, I was looking up their uh, 24 recruiting class when you all were talking. They have six I'm kids sure it's from great. Ohio. Yeah. Like, it has to be from Ohio because it's so close. Yeah, six kids yeah. from Ohio, four from Maryland. But then when the Ohio kids go there, they don't fit into the geography. Right. Of like where the, I, I don't know. It's I would get some new. I would I would get some fresh, a fresh face in there. I can't stand the notion of giving up. It's weak to me. I don't it's not like about giving the up thought process. I don't like the thought process of saying it's impossible. If they get the right, it's not code, about giving up. It's about saying, the right plan. They can do it. They, everybody yes. wants to know that they can do it. Yes, but in the if you're in the Big East, Ari, and you're West Virginia, and you're rolling, and you've got this going, and you are winning ten games routinely, and then you start going seven and five and six and six, you can say we can do better than this. Okay. Now I think West Virginia can do better than they have done under Neil Brown, and better than they did under Dana Holgerson in a lot of ways in the Big Twelve. But you, you have to change your expectations. You can't say, we should be winning 10 games every single year. That's just not where they're going to be at. I think if you invest in the right person and they have a good plan and they execute that plan over the course of time, anybody can win. The problem is, is that if people go to a place like West Virginia and they come in and they do really well or they exceed expectations or they have a plan that's manageable, that works, mm-hmm. they usually get picked up by somebody else before they can see it through. And if yeah. somebody's doing poorly, they get fired quickly. Like, I mean, Grace, you know this. Didn't, didn't Dabos kind of stink his first three years at Clemson? Like, I, it didn't, um, he had won, or maybe he won 10 he games his third year. year. His first year, he was better than expected, but he But then third year was kind of blah, I think, if I remember correctly. And he would have been fired in like 2020 if that's like they didn't even give him a chance to see it through. And, and they did at Clemson, and then it worked out. Like, I think that they're, that we are too 
knee jerk of society for firing and hiring away people that people don't have a chance to sit back and like actually let it cook. It's like if West Virginia would have had Rich Rod humming there and he never left them, maybe they would be like a top 10 program right now. Like that is certainly within the the possibility. Like, Mm. you know, who's going to be the next person that innovates offense? Who's going to be the next person who taps into a region of the country that's underappreciated? Who's going to be the next person that does something different that causes a unique unique place to flourish? Because it's like there's always change and there's always – um innovation and you can innovate at, at a place like West Virginia and you might even have a longer runway to do so at a place that's as proud and you know has a great stadium and a cool town and fairly close to metropolitan areas with talent. Like I don't know. Like I, yeah. I, I mean I, I'm not saying that they're gonna go win the national championship in three years, but like But they were right there though, Ari. That's what I'm saying. They were on the doorstep of the I national know and I don't think it's it's within the realm of possibility like you open the doors up in the 12 team playoff and let everybody in. I think there's something romantic and special about the notion that if West Virginia made and built a four team playoff worthy team, that that would be something that that program could celebrate, even if it doesn't win 10 games every year. Like that's my whole notion and thought process of the sport. And like, listen, like, well, yeah, if you go get somebody with a unique style and a unique plan who has an idea about doing something differently and it works, you can win there. Mm-hmm. The chance bring up Jamie Chadwell. I was about to talk yeah. about him. I I've been on the Jamie Chadwell bandwagon for years. I thought Tennessee should have hired him three years ago. He is the next offense. Basically, his offense tortures linebackers. It makes linebackers have to choose between one bad choice and one worse choice, and somebody's going to be open. That's like the whole offense. <laughs> so I, I'm very intrigued to see. I, I think people. He's very down home. I think it's been we I think it's weird that a P5 program hasn't really looked into him and now I'm I'm curious how he views um, his time at Liberty because Liberty might be 14 and 0 this year. We'll see. Yeah, also too like that's a program um in relation to its level that has more money and resources than some of the people they're competing with too. So some of or all of. <laughs> yeah. I watched the yeah. documentary. I saw it. Yeah. Um uh, okay, <laughs> do you guys want to do one more or do you want to be done? It's up to you. Uh, we don't have any more, Ari, so we are done. <laughs> hey, how about that? All right. Thank you guys so much for listening to the latest edition of Until Saturday, Sunday Sound Off Edition. Grace Rayner, my best friend. <laughs> Confidant. You're my, you're my best friend. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, um, Grace, thanks for joining us. I won't even hold it against you that you're wrong about Melting Pot, but that's okay. I This is going to keep me up at night. I really feel... I can't believe this is crazy. Did, you put, the, did you put the raw meat in your trunk before you went home, or where'd you put it? No, I just put it. It's in. It's in a container. So I, I know. Where'd you put the container? Uh, I think I put it on the console, like between the driver's seat. If you drop one little piece arm? of that, your car is going to smell so bad. That's a very it bizarre is... place to put that. No, <laughs> it's sat in the center console between you and your wife on top of it. Uh, not on top of the console. There's like a. There's like the armrest, and then there's like the cup holders. It sat like it's too big for the cup holder, so it sat like on the cup holder so it didn't impact the shifter and I could put my arm down. <laughs> I want to go to out to dinner with you so badly. Just put it on the floor and then put I the had, but I didn't realize like now I need to study yeah. more. No, it's like you you don't just go out to dinner with Oven, you watch him. We've both been out to dinner with him and it's <laughs> been I know. When's the last time Grace, when is the last time we broke bread? Was it in Chicago? I think yes, so, right? we've had Korean barbecue many times. Yes. And it was lovely every time did he he stuck broccoli in his backpack so for later (laughs) all right guys we've been going for an hour and 15 if you ever watching the show uh live thank you so much 
Aaron Pennington, Daniel Garrett, Matthew C, Justin. We, we see all of you here. And, um, you know, I didn't name everybody, but I see a lot of the same names here and, you know, have, have come to enjoy your interactions and your thought processes. And I feel like I'm getting to know you guys a lot. And it, it means a lot to me that you are here. Um, Dave, thank you so much for indulging us with your psychopathic behavior. Grace, thank behavior, you so much that's fine. Uh, for joining us uh, as always. And um, we will get into another fun week of college football on the Until Saturday feed starting on Monday. So catch you guys later and talk soon. Bring back the turnover show.